You're a nice looking tear. But I'll tell you what your future is. One day soon, you're going to be plucked up by the roots, cast into a lake of fire where there's wailing and gnashing of teeth. That is your future. Well, today I'm actually continuing in a series that I began on Wednesday night. And if you were here with us on Wednesday, then you would have uh, heard me speak on the parable of the sower. Behold, a sower went forth to sow. That's out of Matthew 13. And you would have learned that the Lord Jesus was offering the kingdom of heaven, the thousand-year millennial reign to the Jews. And unfortunately, they rejected it. And in chapter 12, they made it very clear that as a nation they had rejected the Lord Jesus as their Messiah. And so in chapter 13, something new starts. The Lord begins his preaching with parables. And he had never done this before. The disciples went to Jesus and said, why are you talking to them in parables? And the Lord Jesus explained the answer to that. Now you'll have to go back and watch Wednesdays if you missed it. But today is the second in the series. This coming Wednesday at 7 p.m. will be the third parable in the series. Next Sunday, a week from today, will be the fourth. You get the idea. And I want to encourage you to be tuning into these. They're quite a blessing. Well, today we're going to be dealing with a parable called the wheat and the tares. T-A-R-E-S. And we'll explain to you what that is. But in essence, this parable shows the infiltration of false believers into the present kingdom of heaven. Now, I'd like to uh, direct your attention to something that you may actually have in your wallet or in your purse or pocket, and it is the humble Canadian $20 bill. Now, uh, put that picture up, would you please? There's a lot of them out there. It's probably the, the most common bit of currency and here's a, a copy, of, a picture here of a specimen of one. And I want to show you eight uh, different ways to tell if it's a real or phony. There's a lot of fake money out there. Um, on a website called finder.com, two young gals, Chelsea Hurst and Shirley Liu, put together a little article on how to tell if money is fake. And they basically went to the Government of Canada website and learned all this, and they put it together. I'm going to give you a very brief synopsis of what it has to say. Here's ways, eight ways in which you can tell if the $20 bill in your pocket or purse or wallet is real or if it's a phony. Number one is texture. When you feel the bill, it has a distinctive texture. It's because it's printed on a special polymer paper. It feels something like plastic. Um, this plastic currency was introduced in 2011. So keep in mind that there are still older $20 bills out there that still are made of, of paper. But this polymer makes it a lot harder to counterfeit. All right, number two, you can see off to the lower right, number two is raised ink. Raised ink. Now again, I'd like to say that uh, not all of these uh, eight methods uh, are going to be on every $20 bill because they've added a couple of these over the last few years. But 
Number two, raised ink. The large number value, in this case the 20, is going to feel slightly raised. Also, the words on the other side, the Bank of Canada and Banque de Canada on the front side of the bill, they're going to feel slightly raised as well. Number three, look at number three in the top right, is a little uh, small leaf. It's a transparent window. You should see a small frosted maple leaf there. And if it doesn't have it, then the bill is fake. Number four, sort of the top left. There's going to be a metallic portrait in a large transparent window. Now this is also known as a hologram. A hologram, there's going to be a picture there uh, of the queen um, in this case, as you can see. Uh, this is one of the very special security features Makes it very hard to, um, to counterfeit the 20. Uh, number 5 is on the far left. And the number value is going to be in this large transparent window. And it's going to be repeating numbers. In this case, all these 20s. On a $10 bill, it'll be all of the 10s. See that? Number 6 is on the top. And the border of maple leaves around the large transparent window. Now the edge of the large window should be arched. Let's say that, arched uh, with a row of maple leaves. All right, number seven, again on the left. Now in this particular bill, there's uh, the building, the peace tower there, sort of near the bottom edge of the large transparent window. You'll see some detailed picture of the, the building. See the flag on the top. And uh, the building should change color as you tilt the bill. Now the specific building pictured is unique for each denomination. The 20, the 10 and so on. But there should be something there. And finally number 8 on the bottom is the serial number. Well as you guessed it each bill has a unique serial number. And if you happen to have several 10s or several 20s and they all have the same serial numbers on them, then you're probably safe to assume that uh, they are phony, phony, fake, counterfeit. All right, you can put that, uh, that bill back in your, your wallet there, sound booth. Thank you very much. Well, this morning we're going to be looking at the parable of the wheat and the tares. Now we looked first last Wednesday at the parable of the sower and that parable was all about the preaching of the kingdom of heaven including the gospel. The gospel is always involved with the kingdom of heaven. But the, the parable of the sower shows the effects, the results of the preaching on the hearts of people. And the emphasis is on the results on those four types of ground on which the seed fell. And you'd have to go back and watch Wednesday's message in order to get the, the full understanding and impact. Well, the Lord Jesus followed up that parable with this parable, the second parable in the series. And this one is, of course, on the wheat and the tares. And the purpose of this parable is to show the infiltration of false believers in amongst the saved. That's how we get the wheat and the tares. Now let's begin with prayer, shall we? Our dear, wonderful, heavenly Father, we bow once more in your mighty presence. We humble ourselves and know that we're but creatures of dust, 
Saved by your grace, by the wonderful blood of Jesus, we're saved. We thank you for the privilege of being part of your family. We look forward to being with you, O Heavenly Father. And until that wonderful day comes when you call us to yourself, Father, continue to build us and make us more like Jesus. And this is important, Father, in this message today, I pray that people would realize that becoming more and more like Jesus is probably the telltale of being genuinely saved. And help us to really get hold of that truth today. Please increase the faith of your people. And give us joy as we look at your word. In Jesus' name we pray it. Amen. Well, let's look, shall we? Chapter 13 and verse 24. Another parable put he forth unto them, saying, The kingdom of heaven is likened unto a man which sowed good seed in his field. Now, the man would be a farmer, and he owns the land. He goes out and he sows good seed in order to get a good harvest. And so, in this parable, he's going to be sowing wheat. Something like that. Now this is a situation that all of the people would have been familiar with. Everyone hearing Jesus that day thought, yep, we've seen that all our lives. This is a very common thing. A farmer sows good seed. Now, the analogy here, if you look please at verse 25, but while men slept, his enemy came and sowed tares among the wheat. And went his way. And so this is something that probably every farmer back then, and who knows, maybe many farmers today, fear and dread is that an enemy will come at night and start sowing some bad seed out there. Some rotten scoundrel who will do something low and dirty like this to a farmer's field. And take some bad seed and throw it out there. It's like a, a mean, rotten, evil neighbor who would come and put sugar down the, the, the gas uh, cap there, down into your gas tank of your car to try and ruin your engine. The farmer probably was always praying, Lord, protect my harvest. Most everyone has got some enemy out there somewhere, someone who doesn't like them. And farmers are no different. Praise the Lord for farmers, by the way. Amen. Praise the Lord for farmers. If you've eaten today, thank a farmer. Farmers are involved somehow. But, you know, this, I think, was a common fear of, of many farmers back then in Jesus' day. That after they got everything all just right, that at night while they're asleep, someone would come and do something rotten, downright nasty like that. Now unfortunately, the scenario really is as old as Adam and Eve. God sowed good seed. Satan comes along and sows the tares amongst the wheat. It's sort of always that way, isn't it? It's, it's sad, it's a shame, but it's a fact of life. And in this parable, Jesus is teaching us that Satan is going to be sowing tares among the wheat. 
amongst all of the saved people, there are going to be unsaved people who at first, anyhow, will look like they're saved. But they're going to get in there and they're going to cause trouble. Now, we all know what wheat is, but what are these things called tares? Now, we have a picture. Fellas, would you put the picture up, please? That is wheat. And those there are tares. Now, look at the first picture again. All right. Now, look at the second picture. And I want you to spot some differences. I did a little research on these. I'm not a farmer, but I know a little bit about growing things. The similarity between wheat and tares is so great that in some places of the world, tares are referred to as false wheat. And what you're looking at there is what a lot of people called false wheat or tares. Sometimes it's called darnel. They're called D-A-R-N-E-L. These are tares. It's just another name for it. And they can grow up to about three feet tall or about one meter tall. And tares usually grow in the same area as wheat. And it's a serious weed cultivation. It's a problem. Tares bear a close resemblance to wheat until, of course, the ears appear. You say, ears? I didn't know that these things had ears. Well, apparently they do. You'll see in your picture on the left, that bushy, stocky thing. There's another one kind of on the right. It's not as bushy. Now go back to the picture of the wheat and compare it. There's the one of the wheat. The wheat is firmer, fatter, thicker. You can readily tell the difference. But when they're seedlings, little saplings, whatever, growing up, you can't tell the difference so much. I suppose a trained eye could, could tell the difference. Experts could, but maybe you and I couldn't. But for sure, when they start producing the ear, that's what this thing is called, the ear. So when they start producing those, right away you can see, whoa, hey, this is different. So the spikes of the, uh, the tares are more slender than those of the wheat. And by the way, the wheat will appear brown when it's ripe, whereas the tares appear black. And there's a definite, definite uh, difference in them. Now, by the way, uh, you can put the picture away now. Thank you, fellas. Uh, if you tried eating tares... They'll make you sick. And there are certain tares that are downright poisonous. Some people have died from eating tares. So you see, it's not just um, uh, it's a sort of an annoyance, but it's actually a threat to human life. And so this is the kind of stuff that this enemy did to this farmer one night. After he got it all plowed, all cultivated and ready, he spent all that time and money and he put in good seed. An enemy came at night, walked through his field and just sowed tares amongst the wheat. What a rotten, miserable thing to do. Well, let's take a look here at the, the symbols because um, in our scripture reading, we, we read all these things, good seed, the field, the tares, the servants, an enemy, and so on. And let's uh, go to verse 36 and let's see the explanation, shall we, of what these things mean. 
And so verse 36, then Jesus sent the multitude away and went into the house and his disciples came unto him saying, declare unto us the parable of the tares of the field. You see, they didn't understand it. And by the way, neither will you and I until Jesus explains it to us, which he did. Verse 37, he answered and said unto them, he that soweth the good seed is the son of man. So here's the Lord Jesus. The Lord Jesus is sowing good seed. Verse number 38. The field is the world. So it's not just Surrey. It's not just Israel. It's all over the world. Wherever there's people. Jesus is this farmer. And his field is the entire world. The good seed are the children of the kingdom. So these are saved people. Saved people found all over the world. But the tares are the children of the wicked one. Lost people. Satan's children. Verse 39. The enemy that sowed them is the devil. The harvest is the end of the world and the reapers are the angels. And so you've got it all explained to you right there. And by the way, when the Lord Jesus gives a parable... He explains what the parable is. Some people, uh, one of the Christian cults, the Jehovah's Witness, believe that in Luke 16, where you have the rich man and Lazarus, they call it a parable. They say it's not real. And yet the Lord Jesus never called it a parable. The Lord Jesus never explained it as a parable. He told it as absolute fact. So this is important as we seek to understand our Bibles. So again, the purpose of this parable, the wheat and the tares, is to show the infiltration of unbelievers amongst believers. Now where do believers come from originally is the unbelievers. We have the story of the sheep and the goats. And where do the sheep come from spiritually? They come from the goats. They get born again and they get changed thoroughly, completely into the family of God. You know, I once was lost, but now I'm saved was blind, but now I see. I was a child of the devil. Now I'm a child of God. I was going the way of hell. Now I'm going the way of heaven. A thorough transformation takes place when we're spiritually born again. My friend, are you spiritually born again? Is there this wonderful change in your life since Jesus came into your heart? Is Jesus in your heart? Because if he's not in your heart, you may be a nice man, a nice lady, but you're not going to heaven. You're not part of God's family. You're not one of the wheat. You're one of the tares. And you need to open your eyes and realize that today. Well, Satan tries to bring in unsaved people, his children, into churches today. Churches are part of the kingdom of heaven. The kingdom of heaven encompasses the church and the gospel all the way through into the millennial kingdom right to the very end. And Satan tries to bring unsaved people into churches today and he mingles them with God's people. Why does he do this? Why does Satan bring in his unsaved people? Well, why does the enemy bring tares amongst the wheat? It's to destroy the crop. 
Because the enemy hates the farmer. Satan hates God. And Satan will try to bring in unbelievers amongst churches. And there's been stories down through the years where people have come into churches, seemed like wonderful folks, and then they get in there and they sow seeds of discontent. They sow discord among the brethren. Boy, that's one of the seven deadly sins. Check that out in the book of Proverbs. And these unsaved people try to overthrow the church, overthrow the faith. Sometimes they end up taking over churches and then absolutely turning them the wrong way, turning them away from the Bible, away from godly music, away from godly standards. And they become suddenly entertainment centers and very worldly places. And I believe that that was the path on which the church of Laodicea was going. It started right. But by the time we catch up to it in the book of Revelation chapter 3, we find a ghastly mess. And it seems that they were just barely hanging on to spiritual life. What a world we have today. We've got groups calling themselves churches. They're not believing in the deity of the Lord Jesus and bowing at His feet. They're not the least bit interested in confessing that Jesus is Lord of their life. They're not at all interested in seeing their lives changed and becoming more like the Savior. Folks, this is definitely a telltale sign. The wheat will continue to grow and grow and finally bring forth its fruit, the ear. The tares grow and grow. And at some point, It becomes evident, this is not wheat. Look how skinny and scrawny it is, and it's kind of black, whereas the wheat goes tall. It's golden, golden brown. There's a difference between saved people and unsaved people. And the difference gets right back to whether Jesus is in the heart or not. Satan brings in unsaved people into churches to dampen enthusiasm. When we want to get excited about people getting saved and sending out missionaries and supporting good gospel preaching, soul winning works. And these unsaved people are in churches saying, Oh, no, 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 don't be involved. I'll never be involved. You shouldn't be involved. They dampen enthusiasm. They cause strife within the church. They sometimes try to split churches. Who's glorified over a church split? Satan. Who'd be glorified over a ruined harvest? The enemy. This is very important, beloved. Into every God-fearing, Bible-believing, gospel-preaching church everywhere in the world, Satan is going to try to bring unsaved people into that church. You know, I'm not against unsaved people coming into church. I just want them to get saved. Don't you? We've had the unhappy experience of having to expel a few people over the last 22 years. We've had to ask them, please go. You're obviously not happy here. And some of them have put up a fuss. One of them we had to call a police on. 
But listen, you gotta, you got to do something. Otherwise, these unsaved tares will come in and dampen and ruin a good thing. When the wolves dress up like sheep, come in amongst the, the sheep. It's the job of the shepherd to say, whoa, this one's not a sheep, this one's a wolf. And to drive the wolf out. Don't think ill of the pastor because he drives a wolf away from the sheep. Okay? I think that Satan brings in his unsaved children to destroy the work of God. Folks, let's take a look what the Bible has to say about this. Because this truth is found in other parts of the New Testament. Let's go right to the end, to the book of Jude, right before Revelation. Go there with me now. Jude. And we look at verse number 4. Jude, verse 4. says, For there are certain men crept in unawares. That's like they came kind of secretly. It's like nobody realized what they were. Who were before of old ordained to this condemnation. Ungodly men turning the grace of our God into lasciviousness. That's a license to sin. These are people that say, well, hey, I've asked Jesus in my heart. Therefore, I can go out and commit robbery, murder, lust, bank robbery, greed. Hey, it doesn't matter. I'm under the blood. That's wicked, wicked, wicked. Yeah, the tares would do that. But the wheat, these, these ones here are not wheat. They're tares. They're certain men crept in unawares. Look also, please, at verse 11. Woe unto them, for they have gone in the way of Cain. That's Cain and Abel. Look what Cain did to his brother. He was a murderer. And ran greedily after the error of Balaam. Balaam is that guy who for money tried to curse the children of Israel. For It says Balaam for reward and perished in the gainsaying of Korah. There's another nasty there. Korah who stood up and he stood against Moses and he said, I'm, I'm just as much a leader. I'm in charge of this place too. And God opened up the ground and down they went. Right to the pit of hell. Verse 12. These are spots in your feasts of charity. So yes, these are tears amongst the wheat. Jude calls them spots like blotches. They're blotches in your feasts of charity when they feast with you, feeding themselves without fear. Clouds they are without water, carried about of winds, trees whose fruit withereth without fruit. Twice dead, plucked up by the roots. These people aren't saved. And they can be part of a Bible-believing church. Raging waves of the sea, foaming out their own shame. Wandering stars to whom is reserved the blackness of darkness forever. Unless they get saved, they're going to hell. They're going to stand one day before the almighty judgment seat of Jesus Christ, be condemned for their sins, and off into the lake of fire forever and ever and ever. Sad, isn't it? Scary, isn't it? And yet so very true. Let's go back to the book of Acts. Turn back to the book of Acts. Chapter 15. We'll see them again. 
at work. These evil ones that creep in unawares. These tares amongst the wheat. Acts chapter 15. It was the Jerusalem council where they were trying to determine. Can Gentiles be saved and not be keeping the laws of Moses? That's what Acts chapter 15 came together to determine. And their determination was yes. There is evidence of salvation in their lives. There is the presence of Jesus Christ by the power of the Holy Spirit. That's what they looked for was the evidence of a changed life. Do you have a changed life? How much like the world are you? Do you go the ways of the world? Do you think like the world? And yet, do you call yourself a Christian? That's an important question. Now, in Acts chapter 15, the apostles wrote a letter to be sent out to all of the churches. And in Acts chapter 15 and verse 24, here's what they wrote. For as much as we have heard that certain which went out from us have troubled you. At one point, they were part and parcel of the Jerusalem church. They fellowship with the apostles, but it became evident. Hey, these people, they're not, they're not right with God. They end up leaving. They went out from us. Have troubled you with words subverting your souls, saying ye must be circumcised and keep the law to whom we gave no such commandment. So they were liars as well. You know, that's the thing about the tares. The tares have no trouble lying, breaking the truth, twisting, perverting the scriptures. But you see, that's the nature of the beast, isn't it? They think nothing of lying. To them, it's all right. To lie to us, it's abhorrent. To them, no problem. Now turn to the right. Past Corinthians, first and second, and get to Galatians, chapter 2. I want you to see here in Galatians chapter 2, the Apostle Paul had trouble with these false believers. Yes, he did. He was a great missionary who went out and was attempting great things for God. And these false believers were trying to trouble him and trip him up and hold him back from doing great things for God. You watch someone who's trying to do great things for God and you pray for them and you encourage them. Don't be like these false believers. Galatians chapter 2 and verse 4. Paul wrote and said, And that because of false brethren unawares brought in who came in privily to spy out our liberty, which we have in Christ Jesus, that they might bring us into bondage. Ah, listen, Paul himself contended with these false brethren. And it's even worse than that. It's more than just he contended with them. Turn back a few pages to 2 Corinthians chapter 11. Just two or three pages in your Bible. 2 Corinthians and chapter 11 and we have Paul's testimony again to the church at Corinth in verse 26. Well, he begins actually this little discourse back in verse 23. 
And he talks about all of the stuff he's been through. You see in verse 24, how he got beaten with stripes. Verse 25, he was beaten with rods, shipwrecked. Now verse 26, in journeyings often in perils of water and perils of robbers. You understand what that means? Perils of water, perils of robbers. He could lose his life. That's the kind of perils he's talking about. That's what peril means. It's a a situation where you could die. And so he says, in perils by my own countrymen. That's the Jews. In perils by the heathen. In perils in the city. In perils in the wilderness. In perils in the sea. And watch, in perils among false brethren. Remember the tares. You eat them, they could kill you. The tares get in there to choke the life out of the wheat to try and destroy the harvest. Here the Apostle Paul was just putting it, telling it like it is. Paul was in danger as he traveled. Danger for his life. These false brethren tried to hurt him. That's what false brethren do. You know, it's amazing to me, some of these people who claim to be filled with the Spirit... Filled with the Spirit. Oh yeah, and they can juggle in the name of Jesus. And they can talk in ten different tongues in the name of Jesus. And yet you question their belief in the light of what the Bible says. And all of a sudden they get angry and they put up their fists. And they want to kill you. Well, where's the Spirit filling? What happened? It's amazing but true. That in these entertainment-driven, emotionally charged, often charismatic churches, they can wave the flag and dance across the pews and yippy and yappy. And yet when they leave their, their church services, they're getting in their cars and having a puff of marijuana and having fights all the way home, and then within their family on Monday, they're having fist fights. How spirit-filled is that? And yet that's the kind of churches that are just taking over the world. Oh, beloved, what's happening? I'll tell you what's happening. I think we're coming near the end of the world. I think that the tares are growing up. I think that a lot of the harvest is being destroyed. I think that Satan, it appears like Satan is winning the fight in the world today, is what it appears like. And yet we know God is still on the throne. God makes no mistakes. Boy, you look around and see what happens, what's happening in the world today. I believe that Satan is infiltrating good churches with false brethren, unsaved men, unsaved women are getting into churches, becoming members of those churches. They're getting baptized and added to the, to the membership role. And then when it comes time to move ahead for Jesus, they put the brakes on. Oh, no. When it comes time maybe for a, a business meeting, they stand up and they just try and destroy that meeting with all of their baloney. What's going on here? Tears amongst the wheat, my friend. Tears amongst the wheat. Oh, listen, if ever we needed the truth of this parable, I think it's today. 
These tares, these false believers, they look saved. At times they can act saved, but they're not saved. Now please, there's a difference. Don't make a mistake with what I'm about to say. There's a difference between being a confused Christian and being a false Christian. The confused Christian will have the evidences of Jesus Christ in him or her. There will still be the desire to live their life for God and to see Him one day and love God. They can be confused in doctrine and confused in some practice. But you can still see and hear Jesus in them. Whereas false believers, boy, they're really mixed up, aren't they? But Jesus isn't there. There is no Jesus in their heart. They are false believers. So there's a difference between being confused and being lost. We have a lot of Christians that are confused in churches around the world today. Praise God, I think that most of the Christians in the churches around the world today, they're not so confused, but they know right from wrong. They're going in the right direction. But in those churches, you'll get a mixture You'll have some Christians that are maybe infantile. They're not reading their Bibles and growing. And so they're confused. And then you'll have these other ones that are false believers. The tares amongst the wheat. That's what this is all about. They try to take over a church and destroy it. Now please, Matthew chapter 13. Look at verse number 40. We're just about done here, folks. Matthew 13, verse 40. Look what happens. As therefore the tares are gathered and burned in the fire, so shall it be in the end of this world. The Son of Man shall send forth His angels, and they shall gather out of His kingdom All things that offend, and them which do iniquity, and shall cast them into a furnace of fire. There shall be wailing and gnashing of teeth. Then shall the righteous shine forth as the sun in the kingdom of their Father. And look at this. Who hath ears to hear, let him hear. Do you know who was standing there that day listening to all of what Jesus had to say? Listening to the parable of the wheat and tares. Listening to the interpretation of the parable of the wheat and tares. Do you know who was standing there that day in Jesus' presence? Judas. There's a tear among the wheat, don't you think? There's a false believer right there, don't you think? Where is Judas today? The Bible indicates he is in the pit of hell. That's sad. You know, God is not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. My friend, you're watching today or you're listening to this message. Have you come to repentance? True repentance. Have you come to a point of believing that unless you get right with God, you're going to end up in hell next to Judas? 
Have you come to a point of believing that it was for your sin that Jesus died on the cross and shed his blood for you? And now God offers you a free gift. It won't be offered forever. Today is the day of salvation, the Bible says. Behold, now is the time. You need to bow your head, bow your heart. Admit to Jesus you are the lost sinner on his way to hell. Thank Jesus for his death, burial, and resurrection. He's alive today, knocking on your heart's door. Now, I'll be perfectly honest with you. Grace Baptist Church, in my opinion, is the best church in the whole world. I'm thankful to God every single day that I'm part of Grace Baptist Church. But I could not tell you with 100% surety that all of our members or all of our attenders are saved and on their way to heaven. I couldn't tell you with 100% surety. That's something that only God knows. And the individual within our church. If you've never received Christ as your Savior, if you're just a religious man, religious woman, but you've never been born again, my friend, you are living your life the wrong way. You're amongst the tares, not amongst the wheat. And you may have lots of money. You may be a wealthy tear. Yeah. You may be making good money, a good salary today. By the way, that can change tomorrow. You may drive a nice car and live in a nice house, wear nice clothes and eat good food. You may be able to go on nice vacations. And you're a nice looking tear. But I'll tell you what your future is. One day soon, you're going to be plucked up by the roots, cast into a lake of fire where there's wailing and gnashing of teeth. That is your future. You say, Pastor, that's a pretty grim message you're preaching. That's a pretty grim parable, wouldn't you say? Now, this is not something you're going to hear from Joel Olstein. This is something you're going to hear from the Word of God. I encourage you with all my heart. My friend, if you're not born again, say, well, how do I know? Is Jesus living in your life? Is your life changed and becoming more like Christ? More compassionate, more loving? Are you more in love with the Scriptures? More in love with your Heavenly Father? More in love with your prayer closet? Is your life less like the world today than it was before? See, these are all evidences of salvation. And if the evidences aren't there, then neither is the salvation. Okay? Simple as that. Pray with me now. Oh, Heavenly Father, I thank you for everyone who's saved and born again, but my heart goes out to maybe one or two. I don't know, Father, but anyone today who was not born again. Maybe they attend the church. They could attend this church. Maybe they're even a member. They've been voted in a membership. We all thought they were saved, at least at the time. But Father, you know the hearts. And if there be one, even one, who's not born again, my Father, I pray with all my heart that they would 
realize this. And realize that, yes, they can be a, a nice, healthy tear and wealthy tear, but only for a short time. Because doom is coming. Please, Father, open their eyes to the truth. May they be saved today. And Father, those of us who are born again and we do see the evidences, Lord, bring more evidence. Father, make us more like Jesus than ever before. Increase our faith to trust your word and we'll glorify you. In that wonderful name of Jesus, we will. Yes, we will. Amen. Thank you for watching the message today. We invite you to join us again every Sunday and Wednesday for more inspiring messages from God's Word.